Welcome, Switched On crew. Dan here with today's signals around finding your authentic self. With me is Mike Wilson today. A great quote from Mike in the episode, who needs negativity in our lives? Three great signals brought up from Mike. What is your relationship with failure? Every person has a superpower. And are my truths factual? Come join us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Today, we have Mike Wilson with us. Mike is the managing partner of Speak Audibly and is the author of 100% Me book series. Welcome, Mike. Excited to have you on the show. And I'd love for you to give a little bit more background beyond my brief intro. Yes. No, no. Thank you so much for the opportunity again, Dan. Um, I understood this podcast to be really about the truth seekers. And so I was like, I got to try to get on this guy's podcast. So thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so a little bit about myself. I actually have three sons, uh, Titus, Eli, and Malachi. They are six, two, and six months old. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's always interesting over here at the Wilson household. Um, I always say I have three sons and one wife. Um, and that is my beautiful wife, Crystal, who is, of course, not only my partner in life, but my partner in you know multiple businesses that we do have. And Speak Audibly has really been kind of a baby that's been kind of in the womb for a long time. And um, and so this last three years of Speak Audibly's existence, we've been able to truly be able to serve individuals as well as business owners. And it's just been an amazing opportunity that God really has kind of put on our heart. And uh, we've been able to kind of run with these last three years. Yeah, that's neat. And um, I always like to ask people about, okay, what was the signal that came in that triggered you to go down this path? You know, there's, uh, and I, I speak in terms of signals because I just think in terms of, hey, we're all getting this information, but we don't pay attention to a lot of them. But I find that, especially the people that I interview, you know, there's been a signal that's come up where you said, oh man, I'm going to go tear into this. What, what what was it for you? Um, yeah, no, for me, it was really that, that moment in my life when I said, I have to really understand what my truths are, you know, and if my truths are factual, like those, that difference in truth and fact really just kind of stood on me around July of 2017, you know, it just sat on my shoulders, truth versus fact. And I really started thinking through my truths, the things that I grew up around, those signals that have been sent to me all my life. Like, yes, they were my truth. They were my reality. But were they factual? Because I seem to, when I tried to you know, level up in my own life and begin to hang around and rub shoulders with individuals that I admired, it seemed that my truths no longer were truth. <laughs> my truths were no longer factual. Because these truths that I'm seeing with these individuals who are doing the things that I want to do, they look completely different. They sound completely different. These insecurities weren't something I had to hold on to. These, these questions actually had answers and I didn't have to settle for what, you know, for what I felt. And so that 2017 was a big year for me. Um, and I really kind of went under investigation of my own, my own truths. And that's where yeah. Speak Audibly was kind of launched out of. You have a voice, Mike, let it be heard. You don't have to sit silent and let these things kind of, you know, bounce around in your own mind, you know, and I, I, I tend to think that, you know, back in, back in 2016 and previous years, that distance equals some sort of forgiveness, that if I just distance myself from the problems, they'll go away and people understand, oh, Mike got over it, you know, time heals all wounds and these different things that were always said to me, 
But then as soon as I stepped in the room with someone who either offended me, hurt me, or someone who resembled someone who <laughs> hurt me in the past, boom, those walls came up. Boom, that hurt came right back. So I realized, okay, I'm in Texas now. I'm from Illinois originally. Me and my wife met in middle school, started dating in high school, and been together ever since. And you know, she's a big reason that a lot of these uh, perspective shifts really took place. And so, yeah, that's really neat. I, I like your distinction there between truthful versus factual. And I think um, all of us don't realize the amount of things we've formed as truths with absolutely zero facts behind them. And so it's a it's a really cool distinction. And you said something else there that really triggered for me is is the what I feel thing. You know, it's like a lot of times we just have this feeling that it's right, but we really don't question where that's coming from and, and what's driving that. So those are two, exactly. two really good points. That's exactly. And then when you when you say signals, I mean, that's that's a two way thing. A lot of people don't understand that a signal came from somewhere. You know, we didn't just receive this thing out of thin air. It where did it initiate from? Because there are a lot of individuals who mean harm, you know, who mean negativity in our lives. And when a signal comes from them, we choose whether we receive that or not. But we don't understand because we're not choosing intentionally. We we, we don't we kind of just kind of let it be one of those hurts in our lives, one of those signals that we just kind of, I don't know how this got here, one of these beliefs that is what I call an accidental belief. <laughs> it's like, I don't really know where this came from, but no, someone sent that, something sent that, and we accepted it. Why did we accept it? Time to truth seek, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's really, really good. Well, that leads me into a thing we talked about in the pre-show, which is uh, your statement of the, um, what is the cycle of belief? So I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, your vision of the cycle of belief and and um, how do you perceive that? Definitely, definitely. So the first book that I wrote, it was called 100% Me Mentally. So Mentally was the first one in the 100% Me book series. And actually on the front cover, I actually have a copy here. <laughs> on the front cover of it is what I call the cycle of belief. So it starts with the world, goes over to the mind, goes down to the heart, then over to the megaphone and back into the world. And really what that means to me is that the world is constantly sending us information. If anyone's studied, you know, NLP, neuro linguistic programming on any level, you understand that there's so many bits of information that we're constantly kind of going into our minds, right? Coming in front of us and we're seeing it. And a lot of people think like, well, it can't be that much. But when you really think about, you're looking at the computer screen right now, or you're listening to this on your phone, what else do you see? I mean, I see the lights on the outside of here. I see my, my kids' clothes on the floor. I see books. I feel the air, my pants on my legs. Like there's so many feelings and senses and different things that are happening. My mind's actually sifting through all of this information. And if something were to hurt me, it would cause my attention to draw to it. And so the world is constantly sending us this information, social media, the news, any sort of media, really, newspapers. And we get to decide then what lands in our minds. What do we actually kind of juggle around? What are we kind of balancing out, right? Because what we do is we take what the world's given us and we base it toward our truths. So we send it toward our experiences. Do I agree with that? Do I not agree with that? If I don't agree with it, a lot of times it just kind of goes back out. It falls out. But there are some things that begin to take root. We begin to really think on, whether it be a question, depending on where it came from, it begins to sit with us a little bit. And after we think on it for a long enough period of time, it genuinely take, takes root and becomes a belief in our heart. So it goes from that mind to our heart. And what I know is that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we fill our hearts with 
is what comes back out of our mouth, which of course then goes back into the world, therefore impacting and affecting someone else's cycle of belief. And so that's, it, it, it was a concept that I seen the image before I understood kind of the context in it. And, and so that the, the world sending me stuff because that goes both directions, whether negative or positive. And I can actually meet a person. I'm a conversationalist, so I love to have these conversations with people. Meet a person and understand just simply from what's coming out of their mouth, what's in their heart. Yeah. And if I can know what's in your heart, then I know what you're thinking about all day long, yeah. which means I know what your surroundings are. I know what you're surrounding yourself with. You're either watching TV too much, you're sitting in the wrong clubs with the wrong people, people you probably don't really like, don't really like you back. And so you, you bring in this negativity, you think on the negativity, it enters your heart and you start speaking negatively. Everything, it rains and pours negative. But the, the opposite is true as well. Those people who are incredibly positive, you know what's in their heart. You know what they're thinking you know, and you know what surroundings they're in. They're around people who are motivating them, who are pushing them, right? Those people who are saying, you know what? No, the glass is half full. It's not half empty. Keep pushing. And that's what comes out of their mouth and they put that back into the world. So that's what I truly believe in when it comes to the cycle of belief. And it has to be something so intentional. So it all starts with my world. What do I surround myself with? Who's in my world? Who do I allow into my world? Because ultimately that's what's going to fill my heart and come out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah. The boy, one of the key snippets I, I just grabbed as you were talking was it has to be so intentional. And it's probably, if I look back at my own journey, it's probably the biggest mistake I made over and over again was not really being intentional on all of those things you were mentioning. You know, you, you, you tend to just kind of float along and let stuff come into your life or let things happen. And until you finally realize, no, no, I need to be hyper intentional. And so I, I really jump when I hear that because it's something that I've had to learn the hard way. Mm, I love that. I love that because I mean, there's so much intentionality and unintentionality. Those are great teachers yeah. because we don't understand what we've learned until we either fall on our face or we accomplish the very thing we set out to accomplish. Like, yeah. oh, because I was intentional, I did it. Because I wasn't intentional, I'm nowhere near that goal or that <laughs> right. thing. Great yeah. lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A good example I'll share with you for me is on um, on food. Uh, you know, we started this quest of questioning our food six years, seven years ago. And never in my wildest imagination did I wind up thinking I'd wind up being a plant-based vegan. Um, but as I started questioning each thing, there was this moment in it where I, my background's in electronic engineering. So I always kind of go back to that technical base, but I, I started to realize, wait a minute. Okay. This whole game is about amino acids in the body. People think it's about protein, but protein's amino acids. And then I went, I read this thing and watched a movie and they're like, look, the cow eats grass all day long. What's the cow doing? He's eating grass, which is full of amino acids. Those amino acids go into the cow, get put into his meat, but then you eat the meat and you break it back down to get the amino acids back out. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I not just eating the grass? Why am I having to go through all this post-processing? But it was this realization of saying, boy, I just never really intentionally questioned. Like I never really intentionally said, what is the very best thing I can put into my body? And the very simplest way to get it, and then having the intentionality then rippled through. But there's so many things like that in our life, every every facet 
can be shaped and questioned and, and positioned that way. So I, I love that 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 mindset. Um, another thing in the pre-show that you mentioned was embracing your superpowers, and I I, I just love the statement of that. <laughs> so uh, excited for you to share some thoughts around that with everybody. Most definitely, and and it right after my uh, the cycle of belief. This is one of my most favorite topics, right? Because I truly believe that every person has a superpower. Every one of us. And it makes me begin to think of all my favorite. I mean, I'm a Marvel freak. Like I love Marvel universe. <laughs> I love them all. And the reason I think a lot of people either really love it or really hate it, because I don't really know any middle ground individuals when it comes to superhero stories. It's either you really love superheroes or you really don't like them. It's simply because a lot of us don't actually take into consideration what our superpower is. We, tr- we come out and we come into this society, right? That says, Hey, you should have a degree, which I got that. Hey, in order to have a degree, you should have a great degree. It's not even just any degree. Now you have to have a good degree in order to get a really good job because that degree lets everyone know how valuable you are. And so you have individuals who, I don't like using the word passion, but they're intensely interested in a certain thing. But they go toward whatever that big degree is because that's what tells the world that I'm valuable. And they then, they, they leave absent that superpower. That thing that is just like, man, I really want to do this. So I have a friend who the dude, he can just draw. I mean, like nobody's business. All through school. I mean, I remember in seventh grade watching him all through, you know, we're going to graduate. And it's just like, dude, you've been drawing consistently. And now he's an adult and he's he's a publisher friend. I have a publishing company as well. And and, you know, watching him do these illustrations. And it's just like, wow, like you tapped into your superpower early on. And because the individuals that he surrounded himself with, everybody always talked about it. It kept fueling that. It fueled it. And it's like, man, he just loved it. And so he was one of those very unique individuals who has been kind of on that same path since childhood. And now his superpower is now able to genuinely bring joy and imagination to all sorts of audiences, all sorts of crowds. And, I just, I, and to see him, he's so fulfilled. That's the thing. If your superpower brings fulfillment, you're on to something. So many individuals think that their superpower is something that they learned in, in their undergrad or in, in postgrad, right? And, and it's like, yeah, now I'm an attorney, but are you fulfilled? No. You make a lot of money. You've achieved a lot. But where's the fulfillment? And they're not. And it's like, okay, you're not functioning in your superpower. Right. And I'll give you a story about myself because I did that same thing. And it all comes down to third grade. I had a third grade teacher. I'll call her Miss P. I won't say her whole name. I don't, I, I don't know. She may have to still be alive. I don't know. She may have good genes. I'm not sure. <laughs> but Mrs. P, you know, she asked the entire class, everyone, I want everyone to stand up and we're going to talk about what you want to be when you get older. And everyone, you know, the, the, the normal stuff, you know, I want to be a firefighter, an astronaut, I want to be a doctor. You know, one kid's dad was like uh, some sort of architect, you know, a civil engineer or something. And boom. Great. I stood up and I say, I want to be a roboticist. You see, and the reason that my little third grade self went there is because I would sit at my grandparents' house, at my biological father's house that I've seen every other weekend, right? And I would make these robots and they'd be made out of, you know, Kleenex boxes and toilet paper rolls. And and I would just love just kind of mess with these things. And then I got an erector set, right? And I'm like, oh, and so I just love these, these robots. I love building with my hands. And so when it got to me and I said that, 
I can still remember the feeling I got when she said, what did you say? And I said, yeah, I want to be a roboticist. And she starts cracking up laughing, like out loud, like gut buster, just, you know, and the, all the kids start kind of laughing. And I remember sitting there with this feeling that if I, if I think hard enough on it, I could feel that same feeling just thinking about it. And at that moment, I knew, first and foremost, I'm never going to tell anyone about this whole roboticist thing again. <laughs> and secondly, I'm just going to be an architect from now on. And what did I go to school for? <laughs> I was a CAD designer at, right out of high school. You know, throughout college, I, I did CAD design on a, a fire and life safety company. So I was designing sprinkler systems in schools and churches and such. And I never went back to that whole roboticist thing until I became a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor at one of the biggest churches here in America. And, you know, it was a great experience, but they did what they call at the movies. Right. And so whenever they did the series, they would literally outfit the entire front of the church as the, the movie, whatever the theme was. And we did my favorite <laughs> Transformers. And I remember this guy who was just so mechanically inclined and he literally built like Bumblebee's arm to move. And I remember watching him pull apart a drill and put the motor in this thing. And I'm sitting there painting a wall and like tears are just starting to flow. I'm a grown man. <laughs> Hadn't cried in years. Also, I see this and it's just like, boom, just gone. And I realized at that point, like I allowed someone to take a piece of my superpower. That imagination that I had that I wanted to build with my hands and do these things because I felt like they were laughing at me and not with me in third grade. Now here I am a grown man and having this realization. And yeah. so now that I'm a dad, you know, it's just like, I can't, I have to protect your imagination. I have to protect these things in you. And just like we were talking about before, right? That, that, that quote of, I have to make sure that you guys aren't 30 year old men crying in the lobby of a church because you see someone, you know, walking in a suit yeah. that you once had or you once wanted. Yeah. Oh, no, it's like, that's, that's a powerful story. And it's, I can't believe you bring up your second or third grade teacher because I have a teacher, I'll call her Mrs. S, and I believe it was second grade, but it might have been third. It's a little foggy for me now, but it was somewhere right in there. And up until then, and you know, even after that, I was always this kid that just was a lightning fast reader. And um, I would read the book, and then I would just get in trouble the rest of the time because everybody else wasn't done. So I'd be bugging other kids. I'd be you know, just, just bad, fidgeting. And she was the first teacher that she actually, you know, kind of relished in my, my ability to, to go quickly. And so she actually, she didn't believe me at first. So then she gave me a test and she was like, wow, you actually really did read that book and you understood it. So she gave me the entire bookmobile of like 30 books. And she said, you go off in that corner and just read. I'm going to work with these other kids. But it, it allowed me to like have this moment of just saying, Oh my God, I'm okay. You know, I, I, it's okay to go fast. It's okay to, you know, but it was um, always a struggle for me to, to not, you know, I just didn't conform in a lot of ways That's to the mold, but she, she actually gave me a glimmer or a, a hope of saying, Hey, you're all right. You know, it's okay. But, I mean, but that's exactly like we spoke about those signals. Where do they come from, right? That was a signal that she sent me that in my little third grade mind, because she was someone that I did respect. She was someone that I, that ultimately was a, a mentor, a, you know, she was my teacher. 
And I had never witnessed anything like that with her. And so what basically what we're talking about is the difference between like, you know, Professor X's school of the gifted, right? <laughs> and those individuals who, who never get that opportunity. But that lets us know our superpower is so much more because her superpower genuinely was to teach. She was great at it. But in that quick moment, in a moment of just a few seconds of laughter, her superpower, she became a super villain in my mind. Yeah. She went from my superhero to a super villain. Yeah. You see? And and it was again, it was so unintentional. She was the sweetest old lady then. And it's but that unintention, right? It left yeah. so much on the on the plate for me. And yeah. We all have that. It's funny. I, I just um we just rewatched uh one of the Star Wars movies last night. Okay. And every once in a while I like to go back and rewatch these things, but we were watching one of them and it was when uh, the little, the you know, the little kid Skywalker gets found, and the the council doesn't want to approve him, you know, as a a, a guy to be in training. And uh, the older the older um, guy at that time basically said, "I'll do it on my own. He's got the force in him. I I am gonna I am gonna believe in him." And it was, it's really cool because it's this analogy is exactly, it ripples through everywhere. And you could see that the council there was basically saying, we don't believe in him, but, but somebody stood up and said, no, we do believe in this. And we do believe he has the force and we are going to, you know, guide him along. So it's, it's really, uh, it's really something we all struggle and we all get confronted with. And we um, we unfortunately do take it out of a lot of younger kids uh, and try and mold them our way versus the way that they're they're meant to be. So, uh, cool point. Um, another question I like to just ask everybody is, if you were to give the audience one thing to walk away with today from Mike's view and Mike's experiences, what would be that one thing you'd want everybody to kind of take away from listening to you today? Yeah, so for me, it's something that's kind of been on me for a couple months, honestly, um, because I started out this year wanting to be this speaker, you know, and I wanted to inspire people. And, you know, in the beginning of the year, that's kind of what happened. You know, I had a lot of live events very quickly, had the whole year actually scheduled out before, you know, COVID hit, and then that was just gone. But what I realized is in those few events that I did earlier this year, I inspired people. You know, when they got done with listening to me, they thought, wow, you're a great speaker. I thought, man, you know, that was that was good. That was entertaining. You did great. But what I never heard was, I'm going to go and implement some of the things you said. So when you ask me that, I think to myself, you know what? I'm here to inspire to action. So for me, I want to let everyone know who listens to this, watches this, reads about this. If you know and have begun to embrace your superpower. Let's make a power routine. Okay. So every morning we get up and we begin to warm up our superpower. So for me, at this stage of my life, Strengths Finder says that my number one strength is woo, which I get that. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty smooth talker, and that was once a superpower that I used for a negative, right? And so through school, there was always girls around me because I knew how to turn that woo on. <laughs> and but now I use I utilize that to not manipulate relationships in a negative fashion, but to make people trust me in a way that I can then encourage them at a level that not very many people can. Mm 
And so I want to encourage everyone here listening to this to begin to take action on your superpower, regardless of what degree you have, regardless of what your occupation is. Maybe it's not necessarily in your superpower. Begin to genuinely exercise and apply your superpower. Yeah, the um, the encouragement for everybody to have the freedom to, you know, have, and the courage to go do that is, is important for all of us. And it's, uh, you know, I certainly listen to you and just getting to know you a little bit through this process. You know, I definitely can tell it comes from the heart and that, that is a big piece of this whole game that is genuine and that it's, it's actually coming from the right place. And so I think you, you, throughout this process, you've been able to get that you know, centered in the right location, which will uh, certainly help you impact. I always look at it um, from my journey on podcasting and on pushing out is really if I can help one person or I can help a million, it's really just trying to help, you know, somebody, uh, the name of the podcast switched on. It really came from that because I realized that it's just trying to switch that light somehow, switch it on in each person. And, and get them started on their journey of, of realizing it isn't just the way it is. There's a lot of things that they right. can do. So that's, that's really good. Um, my last question I always ask is cauliflower moment. And we briefed on this, but it's really um, this, this quest for realizing that all your beliefs might not be the right thing. And cauliflower moment is that moment where you you question something and you found out that you had had it wrong or you wound up with some experiences that you really didn't want to have and um we all have we all have a lot of those but it's fun to have people highlight uh one that had a particular impact for them so what what comes to your mind when we talk about that yes so growing up um, about an hour outside of chicago up in illinois I had gotten to this place with my stepfather who raised me, you know, where he would use the word wimp quite often. He'd say, Mike, don't be a wimp. You know, something were to happen. And I'm like, uh, let's let me separate it. Mike, don't be a wimp. And that really began to, you know, really hurt come as a high school. You know, and I had that little bit of pride, a little bit of ego kind of kicking in to hear him keep saying that. It's like, OK, I have to now go out in some way, you know, prove him wrong. And the best way that I, and the only way I believe this to happen because of my environment and because of some of the individuals that I hung around, I had to belong somewhere. I wanted to belong. And the guys that seemed to belong were all in gangs. So I stepped out, right, with this belief of if I am able to do these things, people will begin to see me as a bold individual. No one will ever again say, Mike, don't be a wimp or Mike, you are a wimp. Like it just won't happen. And so I went out with some gangbangers and, you know, I started doing things that I'm not proud of, <laughs> you know, and it came time for that moment, that moment when I get to either get jumped into this thing or, you know, I joined what I thought was a brotherhood. And so I'm sitting in front of this guy who they call an OG, you know, he's an original gangster. He kind of brought this specific gang kind of into the area. And so he, older gentlemen, like, I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you late fifties, maybe like someone that would be my grandfather at that moment. And so I'm sitting there with this guy and he looks at me and, you know, all the young guys are behind me and I'm feeling proud. Like, yes, fine, I'm going to belong somewhere. My stepdad's not going to call me a whip anymore because he's like, wow, you did what? <laughs> like to get into there? Like, oh my goodness. And this guy looks at me and he goes, man, 
you're bold. And I go, yes, sir. And he goes, but. And I'm like, oh, no buts. Please, no buts. You know, he says, you're not built for this. You're not built for this. He says, look at the young men behind you. And I remember looking at this point, all their heads that were all standing up high and kind of now they're all, you know, looking down at the ground. And he goes, you go home to a mom and a dad. You go to a private Christian school and you actually have great grades. These guys behind you, they don't know anything about that. Dad's not there. You know, they, they maybe go to school. Maybe the only meal they ate that day was whatever lunch was at school. And he goes, it's up to you to come back and help these guys get out of this situation. So no, you're not, you're not going to do this. Plus, I know your dad, your grandmother, and your aunts and uncles. And I was like, no. <laughs> but it shifted a, a, a much different belief in my mind of I have to belong. I have to be a part of what everyone else is doing to now, hold on. This guy just told me my mission. He just told me you have the boldness to do these things. And just for everyone to know, there's a thin line sometimes between boldness and ignorance, right? Like, <laughs> I was ignorant enough to do some of those things that I should not have done. But it let me know, okay, someone believes in me. Even though he didn't say I believe in you, he said, it's up to you to come back and save some of these guys. And so I'm sitting here like, whoa, a belief that I had in me. I mean, I, I knew for a fact because my, my, my brothers, my uncles, like guys were in these things. They were part of these brotherhoods and I can't even be accepted by them, but there was a reason why. You know, and it shifted my entire mindset. And so although I do have family members who I was very close with, you know, they're still as, as grown men in and out of prison and I pray for them every day, but I didn't go that path. And that was one of those pivotal reasons why I did it, honestly. And that, that just shifted a completely different belief. So my cauliflower moment at that age, you know, my freshman year of high school was that right there, this OG. <laughs> the, I always call it the day a gangbanger saved my life. <laughs> yeah, that's... uh. He was a pretty insightful OG. I mean, that is uh, powerful that he stepped in and and kind of gave you some direction there. I mean, that's uh, it's really cool to hear. I mean, it's cool and it's cool that you were open to listen to it and it and it set your direction. So oh, it hurt wow. back then. <laughs> pretty sure I cried for a couple of days, like no one will accept me. But then once I realized what he was really saying, it's like hold on, yeah, let's shift this belief that I've been having, you know, and build something new. That was again. Truth versus fact, right? Yeah, really neat. Well, listen, you know, as always in these things, time flies. Uh, really love talking to you. We probably could go on for an hour. But um, as we wind down, um, where can people reach you and, and what are you involved in that, you know, people can connect with you on? Definitely. So the best place to reach me would be speakaudibly.com uh, simply because everything is there. My books, my programs, uh, all my social media Everything is there, so definitely go take a look. Um, and I also have a podcast as well. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm always down to help and serve in whatever way I can. So definitely reach out. Appreciate Thanks. it. And have a good day. Thank you so much, Dan, for having me, sir.